think and create and craft. Mm. I do feel quite cloth-headed at the moment, to be honest. Really? Yeah, it was. I, I've I've been. This was my first proper week back, and I went to London and then to Southampton. Oh yes, you went to meet a cat. Um, Southampton, Southampton. Have a, Southampton have a club cat <laughs> who lives at the training ground. A real cat, an actual no. So in the in the lobby of the training ground, there's like a black sofa, and I walked in, and I thought that's odd. That looks like a, there's a weird cushion on there, and it turned out to be a cat called Alfie, and it lives there permanently. So it, yeah, it's not. Uh, and I asked the receptionist, like, whose whose cat is it? Is it does someone bring their cat to work? And she said, no, it just it turned up one day, and we've just. And it just wanders around it, like wanders into the gym and... No one takes a cat to work, do they? I bet some people take cats to work. A cat? A cat. They don't. I bet people do. No. Did the cat used to be quite aggressive, forward-thinking, a high-pressing sort of cat? <laughs> and has it become, over the last 18 months, considerably more... It's all about possession. It's all about possession now. Negative. It is by some... Does it just gently pass a ball of string from one hand to the other in a sideways, sideways motion without really achieving anything? <laughs> The um the cat is by far the most relaxed cat I've ever met. It was just like it just it just lay there for about an hour and a half. It was astonishing. And I suppose you'd have to be if you if you're watching people kind of come in. If your kind of patch is the reception area, then you're gonna have to, loads of people come in and out. You've got to get used to people. It was just asleep. It just didn't it didn't bat an eyelid. So since we were last all together, I've been to Bruges. Chinch, you've been to the Algarve. Yes. And you've been to the New Forest. Mm. Or the the I, periphery of the New Forest. I wouldn't go into the New Forest because there are pigs that attack humans there. What? You've not seen that story? No. So apparently there are horses. I've never been to the New Forest, but apparently they have horses. Yes. They have wild horses. Yeah. That seems like the sort of thing we shouldn't have in 21st century Britain. Why? Because they should be tamed and looked after and not running free. But anyway, there's acorns in the New Forest. And if the horses eat the acorns, the horses get very poorly. So that every year they release pigs into the New Forest to eat the acorns. Perfectly sensible plan. Except that the pigs, like Skynet, have grown sentient. Really? And are now attacking groups of people for their food. It's like George Orwell's Animal Farm, isn't it? Are they, it really are they, is. They, they, real they've life. got a union and everything. That's the, that is yeah. a sign that the apocalypse is coming, that there are yeah. wild pigs in the New Forest are attacking they wearing people. And walking on two legs. Yes, that is scary. Hello and welcome to a rather terrifying edition of Set Piece Menu, the podcast. Well, a well-established number of friends talk football over food. They are committed friends with a firm grasp of the parameters of the football season and the appropriate time to be in which hemisphere. So those friends are the former England footballer Andy Hinchcliffe, fresh off a plane from Portugal, the chief soccer correspondent of the New York Times, Rory Smith, fresh from another restless night, wondering when having a small human in the house starts to make any sort of sense at all. And I am Stephen Wyeth, football commentator with BT Sport, fresh from an unscheduled dash to the local supermarket due to a poorly stocked kitchen. And... Well, that's it, I'm afraid, because November is apparently an entirely reasonable time to be on honeymoon. And according to the current itinerary, there are at least three different aircraft between Hugh Ferris and this dining room table in South Manchester. The funny thing is that Ferris is freelance. Yeah. So he can't be taking three weeks off in the middle of the season when work is is at its peak. It's not like FIFA don't publish an international no. calendar well in advance in order for you to structure these. Do you know, it's as if he doesn't care. It really is. About football. It really is. About the, the, the diary of the season. About us. I want to what know. What is going on? Uh, this I'm, is something that I would do, isn't it? Not I'm Ferris. A Man City at home this weekend. Is this, is this what he's scheduled it when they haven't? Well, that could well... I think it does play a part. But, yeah. But when who, who will entertain the fans? 
I know literally tens of Manchester City fans yeah. who, who regard him. Go, who only go to the game because they of They don't him. even go to the game. They buy the ticket for the match, yeah. turn up, pay a tenner for parking, and they just go and watch Ferris. That's it. It's as if he doesn't care about them. No. It's public. No. In fact, have they, have they ever been beyond City Square? Why would you go anywhere beyond City Square? There's nothing of interest to see beyond City Square. It's just desolation, isn't it's it? Desolation. Yep. Yep. Uh, I did have my honeymoon in October, to be fair, a couple of years ago. That's okay. We weren't doing the podcast no, at the time, so that's okay. Yeah, did you have your honeymoon quite soon after your wedding? No, we had to save up again. Ah, is that Ferris has done the same thing, hasn't he? So, he's, yeah. he's saved up and then gone away a lot later. But, but this, this is his second honeymoon. What? He's already had one honeymoon. Oh, this is him. effectively just a prolonged holiday. Yeah. Oh, he told me it was his honeymoon. Well, that's how he's referring letters. to it. Oh. But he'll be referring to all of his holidays from now until about 2024 as his honeymoon. Yeah, he'll basically every time he goes on holiday now, he'll be telling people he's on his honeymoon. Can yeah. he be upgraded, please, to business class? Mm-hmm. And have you got a room with a sea view? Yeah, because yeah, we, we were a back four, but with him gone, we're now playing with three at the a, back. A and doing it really successfully, yeah. playing out for the... If he comes back oh. and we have to crowbar him into our... I, I'm not sure we need him. He's Vincent Company, isn't he? <laughs> We are, we are basically now capable of keeping a clean sheet against we are. international We are. Well, look, in Hugh's absence, I'm taking control. And without his inherent negativity, we are breaking <laughs> with set-piece menu tradition. In the past, we've discussed what's wrong with football, whether the gap between the haves and have-nots has become quite literally unsustainable. And most recently, whether clubs are failing to make the most of their young talent. So, this week, a positive and simple question. What about football, Andy Hinchcliffe fills you with joy. With joy. And bearing That's in mind that you didn't enjoy football when you played No, I did. I, assu- I, did. Oh, no. I did. I did. I found on Twitter the other day, I did. the Premier League published a video oh, this was brilliant. Of, of Everton beating Southampton 7-1. In 1995, yes. Gary probably. Speed got Speed, ha- Joe Parkinson was on the pitch. Yeah. Andre Canchelsis was tearing it up on the right. Yeah. Very, very little creativity coming from the left. But hold on, <laughs> at least you set up two. Set piece was one. Gary Speed scored a header. Corner. And Did you, you take and the corner? Sure your yes. cross for someone. And Kanchelskis then had a really powerful header, which no, the keeper spilled no, into the back of the it net. Wasn't, it was a terrible header. Who was Southampton's keeper? I didn't recognise him. That was it. Wasn't Chris Woods? Was Paul it? Jones? Wasn't Chris Woods? No. It was definitely wasn't Paul Jones. You know, the funny story with that, we were 5 0 up Martin at half time, and we went into the dressing room full of beans, as you would be, and we all sat down and it all quietened down. Willie Donnerkey, the coach, said, If you think you're playing well, you're not. We're 5 0 up! <laughs> and that was his way of saying, We've got to win the second half. We won the second half 2 1. Yeah. But we were 5 0 up, and he said, If you think you're playing well, you're but not. But you look like. That, he was Scottish, by the way. Dozed, that was you dozed off a little bit when Eggie Lostenstadt, though, stumbled his way through the. Uh, the Rather static Everton back. Have you seen my tackle on Egil Oshtenstadt in Sheffield Wednesday nil, Southampton nil? Amazing, it is one of the most. It is the greatest no. recovery tackle in the history of football. I'll have to get it for him. <laughs> just Egil Oshtenstadt. I love him because he just delayed slightly too long in taking a shot, and Hinchcliffe streaked back to take the ball off his toes. It's, it's an astonishing. Tackle. That was, anyway, that wasn't Egil Oshtenstadt delaying? That's the speed. That was his. No, I think working. it was him delaying. It was him delaying. That was um, watching that video. Your occasional cameos. Obviously, Speedo was the star. <laughs> but you, you were having a really nice time. You looked like you were having yeah. fun. You raced up when... I, I can't remember who scored the first, but you, you were the first on the scene to congratulate. I did that a lot, didn't I? Very good celebrator. Yeah. I have no part in the goal itself, but why not enjoy you just yeah. celebrate? You just I'm happy these, for other people. The, this, this sort of squat figure with curtains flapping. It's <laughs> <laughs> had a bit of a fallback trait. Because they are pretty, always pretty quick on the scene, leading the celebrations. Well, we're all, we always tend to be, we're not really, modern fullbacks are a bit more involved in creating, I hopefully created a few set pieces and all that, but that's different, isn't it? But you're always just a bit too late for the party, but you can still 
go in the kitchen and have a few hugs, can't you, when things are being celebrated? So yes, I did. I, actually, I think I enjoyed other people being in the spotlight. That's probably why I celebrated so much when other people score. When I scored, it's a bit kind of, it's a bit weird, this. It is a bit weird because you don't score very often and you don't know how to celebrate. So the joy in other people scoring goals or the team winning. I know you, you're smirking me thinking this isn't true. It's no, genuinely I'm not, I'm not, true. I'm, not, I'm thinking of your goal against true. QPR and from the free kick. Well, that's different because that was just, that was one of the greatest free kicks ever scored. So I'm about smirked, to celebrate that. You just turned around and smirked at them. I did. I yeah. did shrug my shoulders <laughs> as if to say I do that every day, which I did. But was that, yeah. that, that, anyway. was, that was the Jesus on the cross celebration. That was a little bit of yes. Oh no, I won the game for us. What a shame you've lost and you're going to get relegated. But because we've, <laughs> we obviously have this sort of public perception of being quite grumpy we generally pick relatively negative topics oh, I hope to that's discuss. not true we're very well, jolly people okay maybe maybe I'm quite You're grumpy quite and yeah. I just think that that's reflected on you guys but is there, are there things little glimmers of football matches which give us joy that give us encouragement that keep us coming back there are and it's something we don't talk about enough the little things that we really like about football whether it's not not we don't talk about it enough as in us three and that because I think we do sometimes. we do talk about it yeah the four of us when yeah. Hugh is, can be bothered to turn up we talk about it away from this podcast yeah. environment yeah. but people in general I think don't talk about what they really like about football enough because everything tends to concentrate when you, when a team when a big team goes and loses at a slightly smaller team the focus afterwards is always naturally on why the big teams lost. That's it's like United lost at Huddersfield. Yeah. It was all talk about, oh, United yeah. have lost to Huddersfield. Huddersfield have won. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's natural because yeah. more people are interested in it, so you kind of have to do that. And there is a tendency to think about the big issues facing the game, and issues that are facing the game are naturally things that aren't sources of joy. But there are so many things within football matches, around football, that, that I think do make you smile. I love it when people hit the bar. What I absolutely love what it. About a shot against the bar. <laughs> no, funny, I, I, I like when I was playing. Ooh, it was nearly a goal. I loved a sliding tackle on a wet, you know, oh, crunchy. That actually, on. to me, I took more pleasure from from that than actually scoring a goal. You might think that's crazy. That is crazy. But it, yeah. it, do you know what I mean? A big yeah. crunching 50 50. Yeah. Isn't there something great about that? And it's nothing to do with trophy lifts or title winning goals. There's something that is, that's that's the smallest part of the game, which I, I think a lot of people, when I played it, I really enjoyed it. And people may be watching it. You can feel the crowd. They love a good crunching challenge. Maybe hitting the bar. Is it a similar, you can, is it a similar a really, thing? A really good crunching challenge yeah. can only be truly satisfactory, though, if the ball is won cleanly yes. and both players get up immediately afterwards. Yes. I'm thinking yes. like, you know, a Peter Reid, Steve McMahon, old school Merseyside derby kind of challenge. Yes. That, you can, that really gets your, your spine tingling, doesn't it? But if one player stays down and makes a bit of a meal of it, then that sort of you just takes uh, some of the, the satisfaction from the, from the incident. Oh, hello. Two ginger people have just arrived. But that is the big difference in the modern game. You don't see, when you see that type of of kind of two big strong characters coming together, you don't see it very often anymore. When it happens, it's more unusual. It used to be the norm, but not anymore. George is back. Hello, hello, George. George. And hello, always, Katie. always yes, and, and Mummy is here as well. Uh, George is always very keen to see. Grandy, Rory, yes. and Hugh. He's only human. There's no. He's very Hugh. small, but he's only human. There's no Hugh. Hooray! That was yeah. That was a bit. What was a bit of a confusion this morning when I explained that the podcast was was here today. We could have got some kind of Guy Fawkes dummy. Well, George should have come and done it. It would have, would have made as much. Absolutely, as much yeah. he could yeah. probably read the words just as coherently as the script. <laughs> yeah, which is all Ferris contributes, really. To be honest. The yeah. There's a difference though between a crunching tackle and a sliding tackle. I love yeah. a slide tackle on a wet pitch. Yes. Where of an evening. Of an evening. Under the floodlights. Come on. Even on an afternoon or a lunchtime potentially. No, nighttime games are, are even. They, they are. That's I love but nighttime games. 
and, you, and floodlights. Is and there a minimum distance that the player, the, the tackling player, has to slide for it to be kind of truly satisfactory? Did I say it was five meters? Yes. Yes. Just, like really go along the pitch. Yes, absolutely. Because that's it, your intention from the start. Yeah. Yes. You know, like in the highway code, the stopping distances <laughs> yeah. vary depending yeah. on how fast you're traveling. You know, is is the skid mark on the pitch? Yes. Is, the, is, there, is there a yes. better term for it than skid mark? Is there a better term for it than skid? No, it's just. The slide mark on the pitch doesn't. You see, you see the groundsman going. Oh, oh no! I've got to. Oh, what are you doing? Stop sliding, tackle. That is another thing that does bring me joy, which which shouldn't is when it's rained a lot, but they've decided to play anyway, and the ball keeps getting stuck in water. I, I really, really. <laughs> but like wait, that. let's get back to hitting the bar. You, if your team hits the bar, or is it the opposition hits the bar? It's, if, if, any, if anyone hits the bar. I don't like the but post. I've never, I can't ever, stand it when people hit the post. But when post. people hit the bar, Johan Cruyff always said that when Barcelona were four 0 up or Ajax or Holland, mm. that he tried to hit the bar because a goal is a goal. You see loads of goals, but a, hitting the bar is the ultimate sign of, of kind of possibility and what might have been. So he'd st- he'd stand around Why from twenty five hitting the post. Twenty five. Yeah. Th- I don't know. I th- presume that he meant the post as well. But mm. twenty five thirty yards out. And he'd just try and pin him against the bar because then the crowd can go. Because if you're falling, but he was probably so good he he could actually do. But if you're falling up, if you're falling up, and you score a fifth, everyone goes, you don't even get you don't really get a cheer, do you? It's just like Wait. I did when I scored against United for City. That's the fifth true, goal was the different. most important. If I hit the bar, <laughs> I wouldn't be the man I am today, would I? You might be better Re- oh, by, really? hitting, yeah. by hitting the bar. It might not. You might not. Have, your career might not have peaked so soon. Yeah, and you could have continued to improve and yes. become the player you could have been. And just does the frame of the goal shudder more oh, when you hit the yes. bar than the post? Is that the thing as well? I don't, no, they obviously don't, they, not. I don't, know, they, I don't think the frames of goal shudder anymore, do they? Oh, they do. For, do all, for all the credit he gets for his footballing innovation, Johan Cruyff clearly does not get enough credit for inventing the crossbar challenge. He basically invented the crossbar challenge, but he always said that it was the, it was the ultimate kind of possibility, and it, it left fans, everyone went, ooh, rather than just going, oh, well done. Is goal. it a crossbar down onto the, and then pinging out? I mean, or is that it, is the dream. Is that the dream? Bum, 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 and out yeah, he comes. that's the dream. Ah, so he was so close. Shots that hit both posts. That's another source of great pleasure to me. And then go in. I love them. Well, but back into the keeper's oh, arms, the though. scrambling yeah, across the that, line, helplessly. Back into the keeper's <laughs> arms might be even better. <laughs> so we've had crunching challenges, hitting the frame of the goal, primarily the crossbar. Steve? Well, look, if in the spirit of not scoring gives us footballing satisfaction, I absolutely love a tactically brilliant nil-nil draw. Yeah, me too. I saw a, br- really? a couple of really good ones. Hang on, Really? Napoli nil, Inter nil was one of the great games I've ever seen. That was a brilliant match. It was tactically fascinating. There was loads of chances. Uh, Defenders were absolutely brilliant on both sides. And you just just assumed the game involving Napoli would involve all-out attack. But they they couldn't risk that against... Against Inter in what was a, a top of the table game, it was it was just I, I came away after I was exhausted after watching it for ninety minutes because it was just so enthralling. That's one of the best games I've seen this season. So there's you saying hit crossbars. I'm saying sliding tackles. Referees getting the ball in the face. A great tactical nil-nil. So you've elevated it. Hang on, let's, let's, go, like let's it, go back like to it. referees getting the ball in the face. Do you love a referee getting the ball? It doesn't happen very often these days, does it? There's a, a referee getting a ball in the old kipper. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> It is. Fans love it, don't they? Come on. Or the, getting um, hit in the, in the sensitive yeah. areas. Yeah. Yeah. How the, often um, does a referee get hit in the face? Not often enough. Ball, not often enough. If he makes a poor decision, he should be stood on the goal line. <laughs> and the opposition team should all have a shot of peppering him. <laughs> he has to put his hands behind his back. The, um, yeah, it is quite funny when the referee gets the ball in the face. Referees falling over is funny. Yes. Uh, referees accidentally celebrating when they get a decision right. The leads to a goal. <laughs> uh, 
There was a, there was oh, a, that's a Mike Dean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? A brilliant yeah. video with John John Moss the other day. Not made in Alexis Sanchez. So Moss catches the ball, mm. and he's obviously given a free kick. And Sanchez is walking beyond and asks for the ball. But by that time, Moss has dropped it. It's we should just say, it. by the way, that John Moss is a, is a Premier League Premier referee, referee, referee yeah. who, who doesn't uh, follow the referees. Yes. Uh, and the ball's sort of spinning, and Moss just does that thing where you nick it with the just the top of the outside of your foot, and it. Mm you get that little bit of kick and then a bit of backspin just goes through Sanchez's legs and San- Sanchez looks completely <laughs> infuriated by the fact he's just been knocked like he's been done like a kipper yeah that brought me quite a lot of joy but then the stuff away from the pitch as well so young not even young players coming through I really like seeing a player from the lower leagues who has been spotted and brought through uh, players Ordinarily from Eastern Europe, unheralded Eastern European countries who suddenly come in and, be, and are amazing, like Georgie Kincladze. Mm-hmm. That brings me a lot of joy. Uh, I get a bit. I don't. I don't need any joy from a big money signing doing well. You expect that, but if you get like a bargain, that's when you really get that sense of someone somewhere has done their job well. I like that. Well, the, the obvious one I think for a, for a football fan is that that idea of a, a youth player coming through showing a load of promise mm. getting the debut perhaps because of injury problems senior players in the squad and fulfilling and living up to that potential the stuff they might have read about online or heard about from those people who go and watch, watch is that, the is that they can see a bit of themselves thinking that, that possible not saying it was but you can it's, identify it, with that, that can happen yeah. to anybody that player yeah. is more of a, more of a representative yeah. on the pitch mm. for the average yeah. fan than, than a £50 million signing Mark, Mark yeah. Noble yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I always used to feel Nicky Hunt who was a, a fullback at Bolton yeah, yeah. I always used to feel really sorry because yeah. he was from West Horton just outside Bolton and he always used to be the first to get stick from the fans yeah. at Bolton if they were having a bad day and I always thought that was the wrong way around but surely the local boy is the one that you should stand by there's loads of the clubs import. like that and it's the same it's the same at Everton where Barclay always got a Got, well, yeah, got old yeah, gets yeah. T- tougher, tougher treatment from Goodison than, than the rest of the team certainly the same at West Ham where they, they have this weird love-hate relationship with Mark Noble it's, it's true everywhere I'm not, I have no idea I'd love to know what the psychology of it is, is. It, is it because you're in certain clubs you're kind of an extension of us so you're, you should be better than that we, maybe if foreign players or big imports if they make mistakes well they're not really West Ham players they're not really Everton players but you are and you are so you making mistakes actually becomes worse for certain fans well, maybe, yeah. than others. I don't know I'm just, I'm just trying to look I've never thought about it but you are right so Ross Barkley get... does take when he gives the ball away yeah. the grief he would get that first time he does it compared to some of the foreign players that are, it is yes that's something but I've think not it, noticed before it, it could be that they're kind of an avatar for the fan base and therefore any mistake they make is, is almost a reflection on the, the moral failings of the fans. Ah. But so, if, so initially they get the benefit of the doubt when yeah. they first break through, yeah. oh, this is great, fantastic, but that doesn't last very long. Well, I wonder if familiarity is the other thing as well. If you've seen a player come through from 16, 17, and by the time they're 25, 26, or about 47, like Mark Noble. How old is Mark Noble? He's like he's been around forever. I think he's 47 next birthday. <laughs> right, fine. The, but West Ham fans will have seen Noble play for at least 10 years now. So they, the problem there will be they will know every single one of his flaws really, really well. So when Noble gives the ball away, like he has done in that exact same situation 50, 50 times before, they'll think, it's not just, oh, you've given the ball away. It's stop giving the ball away exactly like that, Mark. There is a man on you. You know what's going to happen. But the other th- I do wonder whether it's become more frequent because we're now veering into negative territory because we kind of, a lot of fans want the big money signings. They want the glamorous foreign player. They want the big names. And the, the, the players who've been brought through 
probably spend a lot of the time being told, well, he's all right as an option, but we really need to go out and sign that Valencia left back because just he's a lot better. Because mm. we've seen some video highlights yeah, videos on YouTube, YouTube and yeah, because yeah, you're judging the plays here every week on how they perform over ninety minutes and yeah, with a highlights video and yeah. all you see is the highlights video and and you think well that that's what that player is like and there's all there's the attraction of exoticism and there's the attraction that they could be any signing could be the the final piece in the jigsaw you can kind of trick yourself into thinking this player might be amazing and they you know he'll transform us into into title contenders mm. you, you, you don't get any of that with a youth team player so I, I just wonder whether youth team players now I think they definitely do get that fans identify with them and they are it's great seeing them come through but there's also a thing that, that people want increasingly big names big signings big money and that's seen as a, the best way of getting success I think you, Chinch you were famously part of a, a group of players that came through together at Manchester City did you get a sense at that point or, or was, was there any awareness as you were coming into that, that Manchester City team that, that had given everybody a lift seeing some kids that come come through the academy yeah, system breaking through but it is about timing it probably would be very different obviously the class of 92 at United as well and I, I, it's very unusual but if you had four or five whether they'd ever get the opportunities in a Premier League team to all go and play at the same time in a Premier League team, how that would be judged. Maybe they'd be judged a bit more harshly than we were back in the day because, of course, that's the way that things were. You had your youth team football, you produced your own players because you couldn't spend money, you didn't bring foreign players in necessarily. That was starting to change. But we were, again, very much part of of kind of what the fans, what City wanted at that time to see that youth team come into the first team. Isn't that what football was all about? It, it probably isn't the same. It probably wouldn't happen in the first instance, would it? Because it's very rare to get four or five players at one point all good enough to come through. But how they would be viewed, maybe they would be viewed a lot more harshly because we were just allowed to, to play, to make mistakes, but to play the following week, to play well, to make mistakes, to play. We weren't under the pressure that you'd be under now. But did you get Cause, a sense cause be, everything would be highlighted? Every mistake you make, you'd be, and the fans would maybe feel very differently about you than they did back in the in the late eighties. Was there a sense of expect? Did you get the sense of expectation though from the supporters that that this was? a bright new future for the football club that you represent Not, I, I never saw the bigger I tended to, I don't do it now do I? I don't see the bigger picture now do I? I'm just so selfish <laughs> but when you have up the <laughs> yeah, but when you yeah I have to try and do that when a game's on but when, you, when I was playing I was so concentrated on doing a good job myself and helping my team that is genuinely how I saw it because you weren't really encouraged to think about you know the chairman or the you never saw him you never thought about the club as a whole you just tried to do the very best that you could your youth team coach or your first team was your next point of contact that's all you're interested in you never thought wait a minute this is about four or five young players coming through and about the development of the club and how the fans feel about us being there we we just tried to do the best or yeah. I tried to do the best that I could at that time yeah. whether it be any different now because players are that much more involved social media and everything else in in the world it might be very different Mm. They would feel maybe very differently. Well, Everton, the Everton is the doing. one club that has kind of had opportunity. I suppose Southampton to an extent, but Everton had that opportunity last year to bring through kind of Davis and John Joe Kenny. And well, that's happening now with Beningame's coming into the yeah. team as well. So Dave Unsworth is playing a few. But again, it's just I've done a couple of their Do you games. Feel guilty about how you described David Unsworth. Did I describe him in a negative way? He's he lovely. Him as a double substitution. <laughs> I stand by that. He gave me a massive hug and he gripped my chin in the old way that he used to do back in the day. Oh, wait, wait, have you seen him? I saw him after the Watford game, which was an extraordinary match. We were two down and one three two, and, and he was. He then was, did you greet each other warmly? We did. Yes, I've not seen him. I texted quite, him, and would he have greeted you quite so warmly if they hadn't dramatically turned? That no, he, he's he's not changed. Well, he has. 
timbered up a little bit, but he's not changed. He's uh, he's a ve- apparently a very good coach. And he grabbed, he his, he's grabbed your chin. Yes, well, I was known as the the chin. You know, I don't know why, but that's just the way it so was. So that was his greeting for you. Was yeah, we had a little hug, chin. and because his substitutions worked out, so it's brilliant the way he turned it around. And then that's how he, he left me grabbing my chin, saying, "Great to see you, chin," and well, then left the building. So how about that as another aspect of joy? In football, yeah, the, the impact of a substitution. Oh, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Substitutes who come on and turn games. Yeah, absolutely. Who come on and score within a minute, and so you're thinking, wow. That, I think that's a bit obvious. I think that's a bit too obvious. <sighs> Is any less joyous though? Yes, I find it less. So joyous a substitute scores obvious. late in the game. Yes. The later, the better. Oh no, just a substitute who comes in and just who, and you don't actually see it that often that a substitute comes on and transforms the way a game is going. Because most of the time it's a striker for a striker a midfielder for a midfielder yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's just tired legs let's get some fresh legs on Yeah, it's only occasionally you see a substitution where you think actually do you know what that's really that's completely mm-hmm. completely changed the way this whole thing is going to play out the most the best example being Mancini at Newcastle when he took off a forward Edin Dzeko maybe and brought on Yaya Torre and everyone, oh, and everyone was like what are you doing you can't take yeah. off a striker if you need to score a goal oh, wait a minute you've scored City won 2-0 <laughs> and Torre turned the game yeah that's yeah that brings, that's a source of great joy well Steve would like that because he's very one, one for the tactics one for the tactics yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes I mentioned it once and now you're talking. But the joy, the joy the was there cause when you were talking yeah, about it. It's so wonderful. And you were commentating on that game week. Yeah, yeah. That's the nil-nil games. That there's you have to work extra hard because not well a lot was happening in that game. Presume, but you were seeing the bigger picture again. That might be why I enjoyed it problem. so much though, because I was listening to Steve commentate on it. Ah, well there you, there you go. Steve Wyatt's yeah. voice brings me joy. Yes, the, it, that it was, one, it was that, an, it just an it was an added layer of joy to the yes, game. Yes, yeah. That game was, but there is something really really nice about watching a game that. Maybe you're not emo- if you're not emotionally inve- invested in the game, that's different, obviously. When when two teams are just doing what they're meant to be doing really well, mm. because again, a lot of a lot of goals come from mistakes. A lot of there's now a tendency, I think, when whenever a goal is scored, for someone to say, "Well, he's doing the wrong thing. He's doing the wrong thing." And he's but doing that's the wrong what I'm thing. paid to do. But sometimes I say paid. <laughs> But that's what, sadly, I yeah. feel so bad. Expenses. And I say so many times, take nothing away from the goal scorer or the, the yeah. build-up play, but there is this and there is that. And I feel really bad because sometimes you just want to say, that's brilliant. As Britain's leading pundit. Yes. And as a former defender, mm. if defenders never made mistakes, yes. would you get goals? Well, Mark Hughes apparently was saying that for every goal that scored, there are exceptions, of course, some of the screens went in from 25 yards, but for every, he reckons there's at least three mm. Defensive errors or tactical errors that a team goal. make that mean that a goal can can happen. There probably is. It has to be. Yeah, goalkeepers' positioning of defenders. There normally is. But then you you, you don't want to take away mm. from the great attacking player. There could be a great run from you see Aguero, the great runs that he makes and the goals that he scores. You can say, well, defence have to. But still, this is this outweighs that. But even with um with twenty five yarders, it's often that there's been a whether it's a tactical or a position a positional mistake in midfield. Yeah. You know, if you if you Coutinho don't let Coutinho cut in from the left. Yes. That's, that's a, to let Coutinho cut in from the left is a mistake. Yes. But Apparently, Iron Robin's left foot is stronger than his right foot as well. I don't know whether that, that message has got out to the left-backs in, the, uh, well. in within European football. Apparently, apparently it's quite well, um, quite well disguised. Yeah. No, he really does. He's, he's a very unpredictable player. But, but Iron Robin, one of the best European players the last 30 years. Yeah, some, but this is, are we not taking the joy out of football? If you know, Robin's a good example. You know what he's going to do. Mm. But stopping it is an entirely yeah. different yeah. equation, isn't it? Are we not? Are we not? 
extracting some of the joy from football if we're constantly looking for where the mistakes have come from yeah. rather than acknowledging well that that is just a, a footballer at the peak of his powers and you know however much you might be able to guess what's going to happen next that doesn't but that's where the analysis to, of the modern the game has gone yeah. we didn't we didn't have this type of camera work and the ability to slow things down and show players positioning as much as we can do it seems to be the norm to say well right Iron Robbins cut in he's bent into the top corner from 30 yards but that guy's not really closed it now whether it would make yeah. any difference but we're there and we have the ability to show it so we say well maybe if he put a bit more pressure on Robin would ah, have done something different but, right, so. So, so let's take the example of a yeah a Robin roll works just as well so Iron Robin cuts in from the right well, Sammy Amiobi at Bolton does the same thing. Yeah, plays on the right, very strong left foot. Very yeah. similar. That yeah. was the next name. Yeah. Just about everybody was thinking this. Amiobi, yeah. yeah. As you say, we do. Have, everyone now has the camera technology to kind of really get into the granular detail to see exactly what everybody's doing. We can all pretend that it's not just 90 mile an hour complete nonsense and 50% of fortune and kind of... It's basically chaos football and so occasionally some, some sort of pattern emerges. But you could use the cameras to say, look at Robin's body shape, look at how he's how he's lured the man in to take it past him. Yep. You you can use the camera stuff mm -hmm. to in to accentuate the positive as much as you accentuate the negative. Yes. But it is Chinch is completely right, and he is merely a an example of this terrible trend, not mm. the starter of it. But we do we do always focus on the negative. So you get a goal like an Aguero run. If Aguero yep. makes a really clever run, bends his run around the defender, stays on side, gets through. You could use the camera to, to focus on exactly what he's doing with that run, but it's mm. always well the defenders have lost him, and it's a really there is there's a there's a not only does that take the joy out of football a little bit because it makes it more about mistakes than it, than it does about skill. It's also an, it, I don't know it feels like it's a it's an interesting way of looking at life to say that some both will always be someone's yeah. fault. Yeah, both instances are true. Aguero's made he's got away from a defender, yeah. he's got into space, but a defender might be ball watching has lost his. Which if you're doing the job. Do you just say, well, do you ignore the defence? You have to, that's why I always try and if we get a couple of options, with, re I always try to say, this is brilliant from Aguero, this is what he does so well, his finish is composed. But I've got to point out, maybe in another replay, just what the defender does yeah. wrong when you play. This is what you should do against someone like So you're kind of trying to say, he's got it wrong, but this is how he needs to put it right, or every defender playing against Aguero. I mean, so you try and balance it out and not just say, it's dreadful defending, that's why the goal is scored, because that's not completely true. Yeah. It's a combination of things. But it's not just, uh, this isn't just an attack on Chinch. It seems to be, and, but anyway. And, and his it's the it's the the written media and the radio do it do it as well. Six oh six is it has had a had a huge cultural significance in on, on British football, and there'll be equivalents across Europe and across the world in terms of getting people on to say the manager should be sacked after we've drawn two all at Old Trafford or something. Yeah. And in, equally in the written press, there is a a an emphasis on trouble and strife and blame and mistakes and calling people out and looking for, for who's done things wrong because it's easier to write about that than it mm. is to write about such and such is really good at his job. Well, look, we're, we're going to do at some point a, 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 a series of podcasts on football's relationship with the media because that perhaps ties in with, the, with taking joy away because I always think it's crazy that we allow managers to just spout utter nonsense yeah. without challenging them on it. But of course, it makes good copy. Yeah. So you're not going to stop them in their flow by correcting them with boring details like facts uh, just just as to, <laughs> rather than rather than finishing on on the things that perhaps have, have taken some of the joy we, out of football let's we've managed to become negative again. exactly yeah. exactly yeah. This, in even even you by have setting you? out yeah. even by setting out to have a positive dis discussion we've still somehow managed to to drift towards negativity so i just wanted to finish by edward is obviously a little bit too young right now to go to a match and obviously his yorkshire heritage means he will be 
by default underwhelmed by every experience yes. mm. that he has in life. But how much are you looking forward to that first opportunity to take your son to a football game? Because that is something that gives me a great deal of joy. Yeah, and I can imagine. I've, um, I've obviously not had that yet. And obviously it will be the same if, if Edward yes, had been, been yes. born a girl. And I'm sure you'll be yes, taking Primrose to football I will. matches. I will. And well, pointing out... Yeah. Primrose will be up on the, uh, on, on the gantry with Chinch uh, operating will. the tactics. But I was going to ask you about... If you, when you take your, what, what Did you talk to them about what, what really... Do they enjoy? Because yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I always remember things when you were younger, and that, that's where it kind of instills in you—the the, 50-50 well, challenge or whatever it is. Is there something that your kids really enjoy? Not just the hot dogs. It's the stuff that we've long since taken for granted. The walk from parking the car mm. to the stadium, the anticipation of seeing the stadium looming on the horizon and getting closer. People selling, you know, people selling scarves, pin badges. That's the kind of stuff that we walk yeah. past without even yeah. noticing. Whereas yeah. Rory wants to stop and look at the pin badges and he wants to know you know why there's so many different types of scarves he doesn't recognize the name on the back of that you know retro replica shirt it's so it fantastic isn't it about it's fantastic you know you walk you know walk towards the stadium then it's just like the sheer thrill of having the ticket in the hands you know having photo taken outside of the stadium going in and finding your seat again the kind of stuff that you know we would walk into a football stadium go and find our seat sit down and wait for the game to kick yeah. off. But they're fascinated by, mm. you know, this huge expanse of green, you know, always fascinated by the floodlights, you know, why <laughs> the linesmen have got different flags, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's not just your own children. You see that, I think, when you go to the game. If you just take a moment to glance around, you'll see young children there with, you know, their parents and the joy on their faces, the expectation. It, although they will be disappointed if the game doesn't, you know, finish in you know, a win for their team, they get so much other enjoyment out of it that if you can just take a moment to sort of sit back and yeah. absorb yes. that, then yeah, I think, yeah. I think you, can, you can take some joy from that as well because it reminds you of what going to football in the first place was all about. And the only problem for Rory, and, and has George been to a game yet? No, no, he's, he's a bit, he's he's a bit, a bit too, too young. young. Maybe, maybe in a year, year or the, so. The time. only drawback for Rory is that as soon as the game starts, he has his dad sitting next to him going, if you just follow how the, uh, <laughs> how the back four shifts into a back three and attack. He dad, wants, dad! <laughs> he wants to know why all the other people are at us say, oi, shut up! If I wanted to watch it on ha- at home with the commentary, I would have done so. But that's the great thing, he's coming away from the actual game, and that we do. that's why I said to you, how do your kids view this? Because, you know, I remember... But going to watch football and then being a young footballer as well, playing on those you know, those pitches on a Sunday morning and the jo- the sheer joy that it gave you being soaking wet through after a game and having to get back into the car, the car steaming up, cleaning your boots when you go. And everyone think that's, cr- why would you, but it, it was. And yeah. the older you get, and especially if you work watching a lot of football, writing about, you do f- forget what is great about it. And it's actually the things around the game, from mm. what you're saying about kids, the crowds and the seats and, and everything else. And actually that's the build up towards the a game. And yeah. The, uh, the one thing, the other thing I should say is that nothing gives me more joy in football than playing football. Even now, with no good knees, it's playing football remains. The, it's one of the only times that you're ever truly, even if it's just on a Thursday night, in on a five-a-side pitch in Manchester. That's there's a real kind of you forget everything. There's a, it's a really zen experience playing football. But the other that's been drummed because I I don't. I, it fills me. I know I've had a lot of injuries and it it would injure me playing. But I I don't even if I say I'll oh, just play for ten minutes. I'd rather not. Has really? that been drummed out of me? It must be just play or just have yeah. a miserable Victor Meldrew. So. Yeah. It's strange, yeah, I, I, isn't it? I agree with with Rory because it also doesn't. It doesn't matter whether you're good yeah. or bad. You're not analysing the game in the way that you would be yeah. if you were watching professionals. It's it, the, the fun. It's much more about the fundamentals. Yeah, of it all of and it is. It, yeah. But the but in terms of even now going to games, 
that you know, and obviously we've all been lucky enough to go to a lot of games and be be paid for it, and not have, not have to pay for it. But going to games, whether I've paid to go or not, there is something outside the stadium where even even if I'm really late and I'm a bit stressed and I'm trying to think, oh, I'd rather get in and start writing and all that. You go outside the stadium, and that the crowd, the noise, the movement of the bodies, and the sense of what's inside is there is something there that is, yeah. That, that does that does sort of lift you. We need I to think. embrace our inner child once again. I We've think all Steve's become. Right. Steve's inspired me. Yes, your children, Steve, have inspired me to see football very differently. Well, you can borrow Rory and take him to football <laughs> match whenever you want. It would give me. a... Would he like to come up onto the gantry because he could he could come and see how everything works? Would he would he enjoy it? Love would he? That. Oh, we'll have to we'll arrange so that. We should have will arrange that definitely. Well, definitely. Will, he will look forward to it. Uh, if we've missed anything out, if there are any elements of uh, of joy that you gain from football that we've not touched upon, please do let us know at Set Piece Menu on Twitter, or you can send an email to Set Piece Menu at Gmail. I also just wanted to take a quick moment to, to say thank you for your thoughts on our three-part discussion on youth development and acknowledge some of those whilst Chinch considers what his soccer story is going to be this week. Uh, we heard from Rodney Simba on Twitter. A chap he said, uh, great point about kids hitting the first team, but then no more development work. I've noticed that Liverpool have had Woodburn on the bench in the Premier League, but he's still playing in the under-18s and the... Uh, the the, uh, yeah, the UEFA Youth League. Uh, good to know that development seems to be continuing. I think we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we discussed that that seems to be a much more logical way of doing things rather than take, taking a yeah, yeah, absolutely the, the development uh, environment. Uh, Chaz Morgan got on touch, in touch on Twitter, said another great at set piece menu pod on youth football, eloquently explaining why my own leafy upbringing did not lead to playing for Newcastle. Well, I mean, I, I don't think we we did necessarily explain that exact. I mean, he might have been useless. Well, I, I think, don't know. Wait, no, 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 well, let's give Chaz the benefit of the doubt because we all claimed that it was our own, you know, upbringings in, you know, non-urban environments that meant that big club scouts simply just didn't bother giving us the time of day. I don't think we said that quite that explicitly, did we? <laughs> is that why it didn't happen for you? No, I didn't. It didn't happen yeah. for me because I was a substitute when they only had that's eleven. That's true. We've, we've heard this. Yes, <laughs> at that yes. point, yeah. I was not going to be. A Nothing to do with your upbringing or where you lived. Do, no, no. Yeah. And uh, Scott Page on Twitter, a question: Do you all think the academies extending into younger age groups threatens to suck the creativity, joy, and spirit out of football? What you mean? So, so younger and younger kids yeah, yeah. getting involved? Well, yeah, they're I, getting involved because yes. yeah, kids four, five, six yeah. are, are being involved. I, I, I only, I think we talked about. That. I only gauged it on my experience, and I, I do feel it helped me to be out there in the world, getting an education, playing different sports, and not. I don't know what it's like for these these six-year-old kids. Are they just playing football? Hopefully, mm. they're not just doing that and they're getting a rounded experience of sport in general because all of the sports help you play football better simple as that the fitter you get it's, it's that, that's what I found was very important but that isn't the way things are so I'd be interested to, like, if anyone's out there with you know they have kids that are involved in academies what kind of what kind of training do they get how often is it are they allowed to do stuff at school as normal what what is the plan for kids of that age I'd be very very interested to, especially that young age not necessarily getting to 10 and 11 because that's getting a bit more serious but kind of really young kids at five and six just just what are they asking of those kids and finally, you may remember a few weeks ago, we were discussing how Andy Hinchcliffe did not have a famous terrorist chant during his playing days. Not and a clean one anyway. We, we asked those of uh, more creatively minded than the four of us to perhaps come up with something suitable. So thank you to Darren Smith, who sent us uh, something brilliant to the tune of Manfred Mann's The Mighty Quinn. 
Let him do what he wants to do. He can really do it all. Just tell him where to put it and he'll get you the football. Nobody can get past three. He's always on everyone's toes. And when Chinch the wingback gets here, everyone's going to surely know. Come all without, come all within. You'll not see nothing like the mighty Chin. It doesn't get any better than that. Can we make a Christmas single? That is brilliant. Thank you very much. And (laughs) And also from Adam... At 35Who on Twitter. Another Christmassy uh, theme mm-hmm. here. <clears throat> Excuse me. I am going to attempt to deliver this one in the style that it requires. Amazing. <coughs> this brings me joy. <laughs> You're a fullback, Mr. Chinch. <laughs> Bombing down the left. Whipping in the crosses. Causing his team losses, Mr. Chinch. <laughs> Steve, this is we should put a Christmas album together. This uh, Adam, is brilliant. Adam, thank you ever so much to the oh. tune of the Grinch, Mr. Chinch. Mr. Chinch, eh? Uh, which brings us nicely on to, before we go, another opportunity for Andy Hinchcliffe to uh, tell us a story from his playing days or indeed his uh, broadcasting days. Never mind Jack and Ori. Andy Hinchcliffe. A soccer story. It's not. It, well, it ties in with this this theme of joy. And I mentioned it a bit earlier about being a, a junior football. And I was thinking about this and what brings you joy. Is it about winning FA Cups, playing for England? They're all great and they're all part of your professional career. But <laughs> That's literally the two things he could have mentioned. The two things that bring you joy. Are no, no, I'm saying. Those, no, let, let's let me finish first. Those people would think they would be the things that bring you most joy. Yes, because they're quite they're quite big things, aren't they? Winning the title and playing in a competitive game for England might be better. Let's ignore you said that. Let's go with what I just said. People might say, "Yeah, winning the cup in '95, wonderful, isn't that the pinnacle?" And I thought, "Well, okay, that's my." And I did see it as a profession, so I maybe saw it differently. And yeah, they were great. But going back to when I was a kid, and. The, the youth team players that I eventually ended up with playing in the first team at City, there was four, five, six of us that played together from 9, 10, 11 years old. It's very different now. It wouldn't happen. But I, I, we talked about it earlier. Getting in your mum and dad's car, going to a, a Sunday morning game, 10th, it's absolutely chucking it down. It's the middle of November on a park pitch that has, yeah, there's feces, but it's been cleaned away. But it, <laughs> Was that your fault? And the netting netting because yep. it's just taken for granted now but back in the day there's a lot of games that we played they, they didn't used to have goal nets but when you were playing somewhere when we were at home putting nets up I hated putting nets uh, up putting, put, to score into a net is just mm. the best and it, it didn't it didn't happen all the time so that joy of playing at that age and winning things we used to play a couple of years above age because of the group of players that we were were brought in from Bolton and Liverpool and everything so we had to change names we were Pegasus we were Blue Star we played in different leagues over age as well so we could kind of say well we're, we're only maybe 13, 14 we're going to play under 16 to make it a bit more balanced and we, we tended to do really well and win things so uh, that feeling of making sliding tackles on a, a pitch strewn with dog feces <laughs> on a Sunday morning getting soaking wet having to get changed in a scout hut there being no showers you have to get back into the car and your mum and just it just was how it was and it was just the best genuinely thinking back it was the best feeling ever before all the serious stuff came in about contracts and and kind of earning money and mortgages and kids and and life plates of Kit Kats plates of Kit Kats at uh, Big Ron's house all these things it all stemmed from that and that's 
I look at I just think well, could that have not of course I couldn't have been 13 forever could I, I could have won England caps if I was 13 but just to stay that age with that feeling about what football it was about the people that you were playing with not necessarily the success but the group of players that you'd play with for four or five years you got to know everybody the mums and dads knew everybody and that's maybe been lost so that joy in being that age and playing football under those circumstances I, I was one of the highlights of my life, genuinely. And you think, well, of all the things that have happened since then with kids and everything, the and podcasts, professional pod- well, podcasts a bit by the by. But it was just the most joyous. And that's why I was asking about people with young kids now. Is it, is it very different? Do they get that? It's all very sanitised, isn't it? The mm. boots and the haircuts and everything's very serious very early. But for us, it did end up being serious because we went into the professional game. But at that time, it just felt give you a ball, go out on a Sunday morning, rain or shine, and go and play. Did it you enjoy it then? Wonderful. Absolutely. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That was all then drummed out of me. Yeah. Sadly. So um, from, that is quite sad. From dog feces to free kick competitions on England duty with David Beckham. They were, it wasn't a competition because I won so easily. The Andy Hinchcliffe yeah. pathway to success. Yes, but it's not a good pathway. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Andy, it's so nice of you, actually, to deliver a sock story that ties in with the theme of the rest well, of the podcast. Well, I had put some thought into it, Stephen, funnily enough. Yeah, yeah. I had some time to think yeah, about it. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a story. It's just a feat. Fee- and it just... I don't know if it's the same feat. Would, would you have... Can you play... So you did yeah, yeah. sub a lot, weren't you? So <laughs> No. <but> that <laughs> feeling of, of putting your boot... And going to... And what it meant to go out and play football on a, on a proper pitch with nets yeah. and referees. And it was just like you were... This was the... the you watch City play at first team level when you were 13 and you just thought this is kind of the same isn't it and it was just wonderful you're mocking us we'd have just loved the opportunity to have had a pair of boots to clean no, you, at the end of the you day play, I had oh, lovely Franz Beckenbauer boot Adidas Beckenbauer boots and my mum used to make me clean them and dubbing them quite right too dubbing do they still, dubbing, do, still yeah, do, yeah. do dubbing still now still and that's where again the discipline and everything came yeah. from when you go into the game it doesn't happen anymore now you used to clean your own boots and take care of things and all work together I loved it I absolutely loved it at setpiece menu on Twitter or setpiece menu at at gmail.com to get in touch. Uh, please do subscribe, share, rate and review. And as always, we ask you to continue uh, to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Many thanks to Andy Hinchcliffe, to Rory Smith and to you for listening. I'm Stephen Wyeth. We will be back, I promise, with a full quartet once Hugh Ferris finally puts the wedding and the honeymoon behind him with another set piece menu very soon. I hope they're having a nice time. But I also kind of hope. I also kind of hope that it's right. He'll be missing us, though. He Do will. He'll he'll know that we're doing this, and bec- he will. It'll affect him. It will affect him. Have, have yeah. you noticed the the photos have been very cleverly framed as though to demonstrate that? Uh, are we, did you? We're going to send you a photo showing us what, what we're doing, but they're always cleverly framed with plenty of blue sky and a palm yeah. tree in the background mm. just to kind of... Do you think he's really there or he's just using the... No, I think he's in Acton or something and no. just using the internet. Maybe doodle images. Yeah. yeah. Could be. Do we, yeah. do we know for a fact he's definitely have there? We seen he's a, he's not in prison or anything, is he? Not, not I'm aware of, but it is a he possibility. Should be. It should yeah. be for obvious reasons. But no, I, I just... I, I, yeah. there were light, I, I swung by the house yesterday and there oh, were lights you? on, so it's... Really? Yeah. yeah. There you go. That'll be the chats, though. They are pretty clever. Could be the chats operating the lights. Can they reach though? I mean, I, I, I'm not operating them. I'm not putting. Beyond never, them, un- never underestimate a cat. He's left his cats alone for three weeks. No, someone's coming in to look after the cats. Oh, I Is see. A cat, a cat sitter. lady, a, cat. a sitter. Yeah, a cat sitter. That's nice. They're having. A, they are having an even better holiday than Hugh and Gemma. Yeah, but uh, okay, well, certainly f- than Gemma. Just Gemma's with Hugh. You can feed a cat, but there's the other aspect of. Where the food ends up. Who who looks after that? No, I don't know. You can't leave that for three weeks. No. Good lord.